0: If this is your first time with us, you're very welcome. It's great to have you here. And uh, we're in the middle of a series where we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians in the Bible. We're not taking every single verse. That would take us a a very long time. Uh, Previous talks can be found on the podcast. But um, last week we started looking at the gift of prophecy and mainly based out of 1 Corinthians chapter 14... And we're going to spend some more time looking at prophecy again today. So we saw last week that prophecy is for our strengthening, our encouragement and our comfort. And also that it is the most powerful of the gifts that's listed in uh, the book of Corinthians because it has the ability to bless the whole church. You know, a gift like tongues is a wonderful gift. I use it lots. But it's something that just blesses me most of the time. Whereas the the gift of prophecy has the potential to spread the blessing so much more. So I thought that, uh, just as a way of um, introducing this this morning, that I would ask Johnny to come up and give us a prophecy. So, John, if you could just come and grab the mic. Hi. Um, So, had a uh, picture during worship. Of, um, <coughs> of Jonathan uh, with some some dark clouds over his head um, and had a pound sign on it, um, but I kind of I kind of felt like it was saying um, God was saying oh, you're uh, financially corrupt and uh, that uh, you might need to uh, repent um, before it's too late. Thank you. <laughs> That's probably not what you were expecting, was it? Uh, just uh, that was a complete setup and. Uh, uh, Jonathan is not financially corrupt, uh, and Johnny is not a false prophet either. That was, uh, I noticed some of you were smiling. I don't know if any of you felt uncomfortable as a result of that. Sorry? <laughs> um, so, yeah, complete setup. But it illustrated in many ways what can go wrong with prophecy. And uh, so, we're going to look. Uh, in the bible and see what it says about how to handle prophecy well and we'll come back to that uh, prophecy because it was actually a real prophecy that was given in a church in the states some years ago and we'll look and see how that could have been dealt with differently so the first heading for this morning is to remember the purpose of prophecy in 1 corinthians chapter 14 verse 3 it says anyone who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So if it doesn't do that, then we've got something wrong. And clearly that prophecy didn't fit with that description, but it doesn't necessarily mean that all of that was wrong. The context of 1 Corinthians 14 is the description of how things like the gift of prophecy should be handled in a normal meeting such as one of these Sunday gatherings or our connection groups, and most prophecies would come under that general heading of encouragement. They can be given to anyone at any time, and uh, whether it's inside a church meeting or out on the street, or as you know, Georgia was seeking to do out with her neighbours, and that fits easily with this description of prophecy. But that's not the only kind of prophecy. Some prophecy is directional or corrective. Things like, you may have heard people give prophecies saying, I think you ought to leave your job or take that job or don't go out with that person or marry that person or move to that country or move to a different church. You know, those are directional kinds of prophecies. Uh, Corrective prophecy reveals something in our lives that needs to be put right with God. It could be Uh, a secret area of brokenness that nobody else knows about. And God seeks to bring some light into that situation. So how do we handle things like that? Well, the first thing is to always remember that we might be wrong. And so we handle them very carefully, very humbly. Um, In the context of this Bible passage, I think it's saying that they shouldn't be given publicly. Because if they're not going to strength and encourage and comfort, then they don't fit. And so we need to find a, a different context for being able to handle those. Instead of strength and and comfort, they reveal direct and correct, which sometimes we need. So just as this passage is all about handling prophecy correctly in a church meeting, we need to understand how, how to handle these powerful and potentially destructive revelations as well. Because just as prophecy has incredible power to build up and to bless the whole church, it also has power to destroy if handled badly. And really that shouldn't come as a surprise to us. We know that in everyday life, don't we? That electricity has the power to bless us with light and warmth and sound and so on, but it also has the potential to kill us if handled badly. The more powerful something is, the greater the benefit, but also the the, uh, the downside is greater as well. And so, in this church, we have a simple rule: that if your prophecy is directional or corrective, if it reveals direct and correct, then it's not okay to give it. Okay, to give it publicly in a meeting. Instead, we suggest that you give it to somebody in leadership. So they can test it, they can weigh it and see how best to use it. And we'll talk more about that process in in a minute as well. Remember, Paul says that everything must be done, but it must be done in a fitting and orderly way. So we need to make sure there is space for these kinds of prophecies to be handled as well, but we need to do it in a fitting and orderly way. I remember praying for uh, a young man and sensing he had trouble with lust and masturbation. Uh, That is quite a common feature that comes up. But we were at a conference and uh, we were actually in a prophecy room and I thought it was probably quite unlikely that I would ever see him again. So the question came up, how do I handle this? Uh, because potentially it could, be, uh, it could come across as critical, as judgmental, and that was the last thing I wanted for him. So uh, I just very quietly, so that only he could hear, asked him if he had a problem with it. He said yes, and so I was then able to pray for him. It didn't shame him, it didn't put him down, but it was able to reveal something and help to give a bit of correction to his life in a way that he went away feeling stronger, he went away feeling blessed as a result, rather than damned. So different contexts mean that we handle gifts in different ways, but our aim is always to build the other person up. And so if you ever get a sense that someone is using a gift in order to try and promote themselves, to try and put themselves above other people, or to just vent their anger on somebody else, then you know, there's something badly wrong there. So that was the purpose of prophecy. Now let's look at how prophecy is structured because uh, the second heading is look for revelation, interpretation and application. When God speaks to us, there are three aspects of a prophecy or any form of revelation that we need to be aware of. It's the revelation, interpretation and application. We're going to spend the rest, most of the rest of our time looking at that this morning. So... The revelation. The first part of hearing God speak is to receive something from him. And uh, I often find that it just comes as a thought that pops in and it may be something completely different from what I've been thinking about and over the years I've learned to recognise hopefully uh, when it's God, when it's something that I've eaten or uh, you know, some, something that's a, a distraction. There are many different ways that the Bible records God speaking to people. The main one is through the Bible and everything else must be tested against the Bible because God doesn't contradict himself. And so if you have a prophecy that contradicts the Bible, the prophecy you know is automatically is wrong. But God also speaks in the Bible through audible voices, current events and happenings, dreams, angelic visitations, trances and so on. Lots of different ways. These are the external ways that information comes to us. And then we have three internal ways that we hear from God, and they are pictures, words, and feelings. And you may find that there's a particular one of those three that God speaks to you more than through other ways. So I get uh, the feelings is the big one that God speaks to me. So at every major change in my life, it's not been an angelic visitation, it's not been a picture, it's been just a feeling, a, a gut feeling. Others will find that it's different. Every revelation that we think that we received from God needs to be tested. No matter how successful we may have been in the past at hearing from God, we are broken people and we make mistakes. Uh, we might have genuinely heard from God or it could be our own desires It could even be some kind of deception from our enemy, the devil, that is trying to twist and distort things. And that's why we try things out, we test them, and uh, certainly for something that is more directional, we submit that to leadership, being willing to learn from our mistakes. John Wimber said that even the best prophecy is usually about 80% God and 20% us but very often it's the other way around. But there is some of God in there, but we, we just get in the way of it. The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9, that we know in part and we prophesy in part. So nothing we do is perfect, whether it's uh, my theology is not perfect, my preaching is not perfect, and our prophecy is not perfect either. Sometimes it's a bit like this church. Notice for, if we can have that slide up. Prophecy class cancelled due to unforeseen circumstances. Let's look at a story in the Bible in Acts chapter 21 and verse 10. It says, a man named Agabus (laughs) arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet with with it. So this was, that was the revelation. That was the prophetic picture that he acted out. And that's, That's a whole area that we don't often talk about, that sometimes God will give you a prophetic act to do. Um, So on one occasion, Mandy and Judy and a couple of others uh, got up very early and drove around the ring road, was it seven times? Uh, And used that as a prayer act. And had an app on the phone with a shofar on it, (laughs) which they played every time they went under a bridge. Uh, so there was a bit of fun in there as well, but uh, it, was a, it was a serious thing of praying for the city and uh, asking for God's blessing to be poured out. So prophetic pictures, prophetic actions can be part of it. So on this occasion, he bound his own hands and feet with Paul's belt. And so what? what did it mean? We need the interpretation as well after that. The prophecy that uh, Johnny read out at the beginning was actually a real prophecy given in a church in the States. And when they checked out the prophecy, they found that the revelation was correct. It was a picture of a dark cloud over a man's head uh, with a dollar sign in because it was in the States. That was the revelation. But what did it mean? We need the interpretation. So that's the next stage. Once we've heard from God, we need to find out what it means. The person who receives the revelation needs to ask God for more clarity. And we can ask other people to help us with that. We can, sometimes you get a really clear picture and you don't know what it means. And you can just say to a few other people, I've had this picture, I don't know what it means. think it might be something for the church. It might be something directional. It might be about a new ministry that we're you know, we be starting or stopping or whatever it may be. And so you can ask a few people to help you pray with it. But the onus, I think, is really on the person who received the picture to ask God for a bit more about it. Calling out that you have a picture of a sunflower but don't know what it means doesn't bless anyone. Uh, It's a great start. Get the revelation. That's, That's the important thing to start with, but then we need to know, before we give the picture in a public setting, what does it mean? Uh, so, you know, a picture of a sunflower could mean that someone's been standing and they've uh, just been faithful to God and God is pleased with them. It could be something to do with the seeds, you know, you have to see what God says. Back to the, the story of Paul and uh, Agabus, verse 11, a man 10 named Agabus Uh, arrived from Judea, he came over, took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. Okay, so he's had the revelation. Now he's put some interpretation with it and he's felt that this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Agabus asked the Holy Spirit to give him more clarity on it. What did the binding with the belt mean? And he felt the Holy Spirit say that it meant that Paul would be arrested. In the prophecy that we had at the beginning, the story of the man who had the cloud and the dollar sign, that was the revelation, that was correct. But he got the interpretation wrong. He thought it meant that the person was being crooked with his finances. It turned out, after a couple of weeks later, they found that his business partner was defrauding him and uh, took all the money from the business uh, so he got the revelation right but he got the interpretation completely wrong the prophecy was actually given to warn this guy that his business was in trouble and if they had sought God for the answer then maybe they could have diverted some of the trouble that uh, the business partner was bringing So having received the revelation, then hopefully getting the right interpretation, we then need to do something with it. And that's where application comes in. So revelation asks the question, what is God saying? Interpretation asks the question, what does it mean? And then application asks the question, what do I do with it? So what? So back to Paul's story again. Chapter 21, verse 12. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But he said, why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. I'm ready to go. I'm ready not only to be jailed in Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. You're in God's hands, mate. It's over to you. We've done what we can. They thought the application of what God had said was that Paul shouldn't therefore go to Jerusalem. He thought that it was okay for him to go to Jerusalem. So was the prophecy given in order to prepare him, in order to help him be ready for when he went to Jerusalem and be ready for for the arrest and everything? That was what I thought for a while. Or was it to warn him not to go, and that was actually the correct interpretation. So, who was correct? Well, if you read the story, just a few chap- a few verses before, there had already been prophecies given to Paul telling him not to go to Jerusalem. Chapter 21, verse 5, these believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. And so God has spoken to him several times independently People who hadn't heard the previous prophecy brought another prophecy saying the same thing. So it would appear that Paul was wrong. I don't know whether you see it that way or whether you read the passage differently. But you see, to do what Paul had done, to plant churches around the Mediterranean uh, facing incredible opposition and persecution, even being stoned and left for dead outside a city, you have to be pretty strong. You have to be pretty determined to do that they say you have to be pretty crazy to plant churches but it seems that Paul's strength of will made it difficult for him to be able to listen and hear what other people said and to be able to take advice been there, done that and uh, sorry if I've hurt anybody in the process so one of the big lessons we need to learn is to listen to the right people wise people so don't get your advice on your sexuality from the media don't get your marriage counselling down at the pub from other people who are also having marriage problems otherwise they would be at home with their wives but joking aside I hope you see the point find wise people find people with godly character people who show the fruit of the spirit in their lives and then get advice from them listen to them Submit what you think God is saying, because you might be wrong. There have been a number of occasions when I've gone to our staff team or our leadership team, and I've said, uh, here's, "Here's a fantastic new idea. I've come up with quite a few ideas, and uh, I like what I see happening in other churches, and I think, "Oh, get excited about it and think, "Oh, we could do that. Wouldn't it be wonderful?" And I present it to the, the team, and they say, "No. God's not saying that, we really don't think that's right and I then have the choice, do I push through and say well I think God is so we're going to do it anyway or actually what I've done is I've said okay well I might be wrong so uh, we just lay it down and uh, if, if it's right we'll come back to it another time and if it's not then it's gone so there are there are some natural safety checks that we, we build in there. In the story of the man with the cloud and the, and the dollar sign, part of the application included when was the right time to deliver the message. Doing it publicly in a meeting wasn't going to be a helpful way of doing it, was it? So um, what he could have done, perhaps should have done, was to have gone up to the man after the meeting, maybe to have taken his connection group pastor with him or somebody else who knew him and say something like, I had a picture of a cloud over your head. It was a dark cloud and inside it was a dollar sign. Does that mean anything to you? Are you having trouble with it, with your finances at the moment? And if you said no, then you, you could continue uh, just asking... Uh, if there's, if there's anything wrong, if there's, uh, you know... Asking questions is always less confrontational. And so I would hope that they would then at that point, if the man said, no, it really doesn't mean anything to me, that he would then take it away and pray about it. And as he prayed about it, God would be able to alert him to the fact that he needs to check his finances and check with his bookkeeper and his accountant because something's wrong. And it's, you see, things like that, just they, they stir us, they prompt us, and God uses them for us to take the next step. When, we're given, uh, when we give someone a, a prophecy or some other form of revelation, we're simply acting as a postman. Our job is simply to deliver the letter and then our job is done. We have no responsibility for what the person does with that prophecy. If we feel concerned, we can continue to pray for them. That's a wonderful thing to do. But we just give the prophecy and we let go. So application asks the question, who's supposed to hear this? Who's supposed to share it? In what form should it be shared? When should it be shared? How much of it should be shared? As with all prophecy, we're looking for the maximum edification, encouragement, and building up of the other personal people. So you may wonder, how can I grow in the gift of prophecy? Okay, we've got some uh, guidelines here. What do I do next? (laughs) So I've I've got some suggestions here, and I hope you'll have some fun with these, because prophecy, as with the gift, rest of the gifts of the spirit are not meant to be something that's heavy and you You need to be careful in case you get it wrong and all that kind of thing god gives them to us and god is the source of joy and i think he uh he has a great sense of humor as well the number of times i've heard him laughing usually at me but uh so here's here are some things that could help you to grow so the first one is, ask the Holy Spirit to tell you the registration number on the bus when you're waiting at the bus stop. Maybe just the last two or three letters on the, uh, on the registration plate. Um, so that's one way you can ask God to speak to you. Another way is, uh, what's going to be the next song on the radio? I've never got that right. <laughs> so, you, you know, you can cheat a bit. You create your own playlist on Spotify or something so at least you know the names of the songs that have come up and you know, make it a bit easier for yourself. Um, if you're going by bike or by car or, or by foot and there are a couple of different routes that you could possibly take, ask the Holy Spirit which one to take. Uh, one that I love to do that I haven't put down is asking God to show me where the parking space is. Um, you know, why should the atheists have all the good parking spaces? Um, so, and very often, it's, uh, that one's worked really well. Uh, another idea, before Connection Group or before these Sunday gatherings, ask God to tell you a couple of the songs that we're going to use. Just as a way of growing in being attentive to God and hearing His voice. You could probably think of some other games that you can play with God as well, through which you can learn to recognise his voice. But please remember, it doesn't matter if you get this wrong. Even if you get it wrong, every single time. It doesn't matter. Why? Because you're building a habit of being attentive to God and listening to him. And that's what we want. And eventually, you will hear him. And it may not be in that particular context, but you're actually developing the muscle of listening to God and uh, that will serve you well in all sorts of different situations. Those those of you who have been watching the World Cup rugby, they've just introduced uh, some new tackle rules and they were saying that these players have 15 to 20 years worth of muscle memory that suddenly has to change and it doesn't work that way. So we can build internal muscle memory to, uh, to be able to hear God's voice, to be attentive to him and uh, that will serve us well. Proverbs 8 verse 34, blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. And so there are different ways that we can learn to listen and be attentive to God. And one of the benefits of that is that it gets us used to listening to God outside of our meetings. Because if you only listen to God, if you only try and receive a prophecy or a word of knowledge or something like that inside a meeting, then you build up the, the habit, the muscle memory of doing it in a particular context, but you don't build the habit of doing it on the bus or on the down at the gym or wherever you may be. And uh, so it gets us used to listening to God as we're travelling into work or as we're uh, in different places so have some fun with that God loves you so much when you get to the point of really believing that and really receiving that you'll start to have confidence that God also really wants to speak to you and use you and not just the person who leads your connection group who for some reason is meant to be a lot more holy than you are, and maybe God loves them more, and all that kind of thing. When we have that foundation of God's love, it gives us incredible confidence. It opens us up to so much blessing, including being able to hear his voice. We need to become skilled at handling prophecy. All of us will make mistakes. You have permission to go and make mistakes. Don't worry about it. Uh, So... Get used to taking risks, get, get used to getting some of it right, some of it wrong. That's uh, that's just normal. So get comfortable with being uncomfortable. We're not able to grow in our faith unless we're willing to take risks. And that's why we celebrate risk-taking. And Sometimes the stories we have before the talk are simply about people taking a risk and it didn't work, but they took the risk. They gave the opportunity and that was all they could do in that setting. We don't take unnecessary risks like Paul did going back to Jerusalem uh, when he'd been warned not to. But we do want to experiment and learn more about this precious gift that God gives us. And we approach it with humility because we won't get it right all the time. So revelation, interpretation, application are important aspects of handling prophecy well. But remember that prophecy is always for the benefit of the person who's receiving it and not the blessing of the person who's giving it. Uh, So we give it in a way that is gentle and draws them close to Jesus. Okay, you're going to have some fun with that. That's your homework for this week to uh, uh, spend some time listening to God and see what he wants to say. So let's stand together.